Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 878, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money, you can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. Say money, money won't get you too far, get you too far. I'm Josh Flanagan, and here with me is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Hi there. This is Hi. the iFanboy Pick of the Week. <laughs> this is episode 878. It's a lot. If we were comic books and we had started in 1938, it would be the mid-2000s. Is that right? Or is that too Or, you know, we, we, we could have started in the 60s. Okay. I'm 78 by now. Yeah. It's Amazing Spider-Man's you on know. 919, so... Right. Like they, 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 were, they were weekly for a while. That's true. They were weekly. They were three times a month for a while. Yeah, that really... They cheated. You know what I have to tell you? Marvel doesn't respect numbers. That's what I know. <laughs> Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics, and how much the publisher or the book itself respects numbers is reflected in that, either you know subconsciously yes. or, or uh, Listen, consciously. It's, it's, it goes in the pot. Sure. There's a big old stew of things that we just that we put in to decide the pick of the week, and the respect for numbers is a big one. Re- respect I'm not for numbers is the number one. Is thing, a big, but it's, no, it's in there. It's there. We call yeah, that the certainly. pick of the week. A more subjective thing could not be. Is it the best book? <laughs> not necessarily. Is does it respect <laughs> numbers? Yes. <laughs> was it good? No, but it did respect numbers. So here we are. We are going to talk about that comic <laughs> books, other books from the week. The relative <laughs> number situation, the patron pick, <laughs> where that could also come into play. I think mm-hmm. this week it definitely comes into play. We will never, we will, I just, I said we will never answer listener email, but I said we, I mean to say we will <laughs> listen. Sure. We will listen to answer our mail. We will answer listening day. mail if we have time. Yeah, we're doing it like afternoon. We never do it in the afternoon. It's a different deal. There will be spoilers about the comic books. Yep. That's on you. Connor, you had the pick. I did, and this week's pick was the Invincible Iron Man 656, which is also number six, depending on how much you respect numbers. This is written by Jerry Duggan and drawn by Andrea DeVito. And, you know, look at the cover, Josh. It's old, red and silver armored yep. Iron Man with Wonder Man and classic Hawkeye. The silver, silver Centurion? Is that what it's called? I didn't even know he had a name. I mean, he mentioned in this issue the name yeah. of that armor. I didn't realize there was a name. But I'm not made of stone. This is hearkening back to the 80s. Yeah. I loved the, this period at Marvel. 
I was a big Iron Man fan back then, Avengers, West Coast Avengers. And so here we have a flashback story where down and out, Tony Stark is thinking back to a past adventure and doing a journal. And uh, it involves his 80s era shoulder pad armored, which I loved, you know, which is strange. But as a kid, I loved that armor. Sure. It's ridiculous, but I loved it. The color's great. I No, and I remember that seeing it for the first time because I feel like it came out or had just come out around the time that I started reading comics. And I was familiar enough with the red and yellow, but like the silver came out and I had never seen a redesign like that. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, what this comic does a very good job of is place in that time and place. There's a part where Tony's flying around and we just see black suited Spider-Man swinging by in the background or the foreground. And we have a brief appearance by classic Nick Fury, although he isn't. It just felt like, oh, cool, we're in the this really fun and awesome period of time. And I'm reading Jerry Duggan's X-Men as well, and it's funny because he's been crossing that book over quite a bit with this one, which you wouldn't really think Iron Man and X-Men would cross over a lot, but you know he's doing them both. And so here we have Magneto's involved in the story, and then we also have White Queen from that era. Does this count as a crossover if... Are the X Men books in the the early time frame too? No, 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 no. I'm just I'm just saying these characters are popping up. Like Tony Stark has popped up in the X Men book, and the X Men have popped up several times in this That's, book. That seems to be natural. That happens, I think, relatively frequently because they're locked well, into those he's characters. He's, he's the one writing both. And we'll talk about another book that's also been doing that. But I liked his fight with the classic Spider Man villains, Stilt Man, Doctor Octopus, and Rhino. I really liked the full page, almost full page shot where Rhino hits him and he says, mm-hmm. I've been hit by a lot of people, but I've I've never been hit harder than when Rhino hit me. Like it was mm-hmm. just a really fun, classic Marvel adventure. And in a way that we often talk about the Batman books that take place out of continuity being super fun. This is in the same way because, you know, Marvel's done the same thing to Tony Stark that DC's done to Bruce Wayne, which is, oh no, billionaires are bad. Let's remove them from their companies and their fortunes and try to tell a story and it's just dumb these are comic books they're not the real world i'm happy to have my billionaire heroes with their gadgets and their toys and their jet planes and that's part of the escapist fun of this and you you know do a fun story once where they lose their money for six months whatever you know not change it forever but it has been like this for a while yeah with, with tony he got his money back and then he spent it all the andrea devito art really nice action pages some big splash page action really captures that 80s feel this is that tony stark where he had in the comics at the time he had like permed hair and the mustache and he had the suit with the sleeves rolled up like don johnson like th- this is a strong this felt like a book from from that strong era. hall and oats vibes that's what yes. you've got going on there he is both hall and oats yeah he is he's a combination of john and daryl so you know, I just had a really good time. Like, with every page turn, a new character would show up. And there's a lot of characters in this issue. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, Sandman. Ooh, Nick Fury. Yeah, they happened to have the fight on top of the bar with no name. So those people were all there. And then I thought it was a really nice tool that, that they had, you know, Emma mind control them all. She didn't hire them or whatever. She's like, they're dumb, so yep. it's easy. And it's bad <laughs> Emma Frost. It's not, you know, current, yep. you know, anti-hero Emma Frost. So that was fun. I will say that the conceit at the beginning... And it worked, so this doesn't matter. Where he's like, well, I guess I'm a writer now. And I was like, really? You're doing this? You're going to do this <laughs> yeah. memoir style? And I just, what I thought was like, as soon as a character says, I'm a writer now, I was like, nope, you're the writer of this book now. But it, but it, 
it worked. I sort of let go of it because it was a way to tell this story. And, you know, occasionally sort of like this use of captions in this way worked. It didn't feel like a crutch. Right. And it, it was delightful. It's it's funny because you made it pick of the week and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a lot of my books this week. I don't know that what I was said if I had to choose one, but like I had to think about it. In fact, I didn't like until we started talking about it. And then like I remembered what it was, I was like, oh, I see why this is pick of the week. It's got all the gosh. It's a gosh pick. It's a good old fashioned. It's a good yeah, old superhero oh, sure. pick, which, which as the world burns, we are really leaning into. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, like if you're if you're Ugh. home and you're not into this, you're like, why are they about this? And it's just like, dude, this is an antidepressant. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is a joy machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because the cover is Iron Man, like I said, with Wonder Man and Hawkeye, and those guys appear in one panel in the in the book. Oh no, I'm sorry, two panels each, one on each page. So I guess there's there's a third long shot of them, so three panels and three pages. There's a great line there where he says, "I was sparring against my fellow West Coast Avengers. Wonder Man was a pain in the ass to fight against, or alongside, quite frankly." I was like, "That's awesome." <laughs> God, I would love to have a throwback West Coast Avengers book like we've been having all these throwback yeah. Avengers books. This was a good week. There was a lot of strange books and there was a lot of fun books. There was a book I was really excited about we're going to talk about that didn't quite do it for me in terms of pick of the week. But I finished my books on Wednesday. Mm. I didn't make my pick official until Thursday. I thought I, I, know, I had a little think about it. I had a sit. I thought about it. I slept on it. I woke up and I thought I'm still thinking about Iron Man. You know, it's easy buttons to push. I'm not saying this is like groundbreaking comics work, but it's an easy button to push, and they pushed it well. Yeah, yeah. Then it's, that's the thing. I mean, it's easy to 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 like, here's what we're gonna do, but you do have to do it well. And you know, Cherry Duggan's probably grew he's up. Great. On his, he's like, probably I, yeah. He I totally follow is. him wherever whatever superhero book he runs. His X Men book's super fun. Yeah, I'm still reading it. It's great. But I'm I'm also guessing like he grew up with these books as his. Oh, yeah, you he's know, our just, age, yeah. a little bit older, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. So either way, like his soft spot is going to be a little from there, and and he did it, and it wasn't lame it was awesome and i think the art was exactly perfect for it you know it wasn't full on doing the style from back then no but it, it was appropriate for it that it was absolutely appropriate you know someone like me who constantly complains about you know how the characters have changed uh-huh. now the movies have, movies have influenced the comics and it's just nice to go back to a time when the comics were prime mm-hmm. and hawkman wore a costume and dr octopus is in that green suit can I, can yeah. I tell you a moment that I had, which makes no sense in reality, but it happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading the book and he's talking to the general and Tony says, listen, I, I can't, I'm, I don't make weapons anymore. And he's like, whatever. I know about your commie stupid thing. Let's talk about what we can do. And then he's, he's <laughs> saying like, they need to build something to basically fix the problem of Magneto and of telepaths. And at one point he says, mutie. And I thought, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was <laughs> yeah. saying another word that he shouldn't have said as if it was real. Right. And then Tony didn't like say anything. And I was like, what the hell? Like it would be as if somebody said a racial slur in real life was the thought I had reading. It's just for a second. Like I, I, I let it go. Yep. But I was like, wow. Like that was a loaded term back then. And be- because, you know, the way that things have changed since then, you know, it, I just I was like, oh, you can't say that. That's terrible. <laughs> it's real. I think you should start a campaign to cancel Marvel for using Mutie. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This character should never show up in a book again. He probably won't, so it's probably solved. This is also a book you can just pick up if you haven't been reading Jared Duggan's Iron Man run so far and are curious. This is a mm-hmm. great issue you can just read. It's all flashbacks. Yeah. Putting aside the dumb aspect of making him without his billions in his company, I do think the story they're telling overall, this story of the villain from X-Men taking over his company and using its resources for his own ends has been a good one. Yes. And that's been sort of the overall 
crossover aspect of it is that this guy, he started off in the X-Men book as their villain. So it's, that's how they're sort of linked these two books. And so I think that's been fun. The last issue was really fun where we really do- dove deep into how he's taken over the company and he bought, you know, he basically bought it out and how he's using the technology and the resources to fund his own, you know, sort of war against the X-Men. So I think that that's been over- overall really fun. This was a nice sidestep, but still tying into that main story. You know, we can bitch a little bit about him, like being in this state where he's, you know, homeless or living in a warehouse or doesn't have any money or whatever it is. But the last two runs of this book, I mean, including Duggan's and then Cantwell's before it, you know, they've, they've been really well written and interesting. You yeah. know, it's it's been a good era of an Iron Man that's a little different. Actually, Iron Man's, Iron Man's been pretty good for a while. It has been. And the same problem with Batman is that it, it's ultimately it's stupid. Like they try to say, OK, well, he's not a billionaire anymore, so don't hate him, kids. But he's still going to be Iron Man or he's still going to be Batman with all of his gadgets and toys, but somehow claim to have no money. It's like, well, how is any of this happening then? <laughs> you know, you don't talk about where the gasoline from the Batmobile comes from. But still, it's just like, if you're telling me the whole conceit here is that they're both broke, but then they show up in other books and they're back to normal. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's just um I mean, like, I get it. You live in the world that we live in and there's different feelings about super rich people or whatever, but... These are fictional characters, and you can have you can have a good guy billionaire in this because yeah. you can have them be anything you want. It's a fictional world; they do good all the time. Bruce Wayne's constantly spending his money on social projects in Gotham City, and then and then the story in that becomes, and they're constantly making making up for their explaining their wealth and justifying it, or whatever, like they did with Dick Grayson or whatever. But the thing that they always discover in that is like, I can't seem to fix anything. I can't do enough. <laughs> right, because because it doesn't work that way. Yes, it doesn't. Life is complicated. Let Batman have his fucking mansion. Him living in the big lonely mansion is actually a great metaphor that you don't really want to get rid of. Like, oh, he's got all this and it doesn't make him feel, it doesn't help, it doesn't change anything, and it's really sad that he's in that big mansion by himself. Why is he by himself? Because Alfred's dead. All right. So there were a lot of books that ended in nines this week that were. were the end or near enough to the end of things that have been been going on for a while. I do want to say that here at iFanboy Incorporated, we're big Daredevil people. We've been reading Daredevil, you know, as a group collectively for Decades. the entire run of this endeavor we call it a fanboy. And also through our childhood, like I've been reading Daredevil almost my whole comic reading life. Yes. Sometimes you get to the point with Daredevil where you're like, enough, enough. <laughs> well, I got good news for you. It, it happened, you know, fairly recently where we were, everyone in, it seemed like in the comic reading world was like, okay, we've beaten on this guy enough. And then they brought in Mark Wade and Chris Somney and they made Daredevil really fun and light and everybody loved it. And then they went right back. And, you know, I've been enjoying Chip Jodarski's run. This is his 11th issue. This is at Daredevil 659. Of this particular volume, he's done several volumes. Yeah, he's been on for more than 11 issues. Yeah, it's been one big story. We're getting towards the end. I think the next issue is the last part. And realizing this is also comics and you can fix and change anything. But when I turned the page and Daredevil stabbed his own eyeballs out, I was like, all right, somebody calls Chris Omni and Mark Wade. We need a tone change stat. All right. It was just like, okay, enough. All right. Enough. All right. All right. You're not wrong. However, the beginning of this is what's the cop? What's the what's the cop the black the whole cop? Story. What's his Cole? Name, yeah. Something like that. Something like that. He reluctantly went along to villain rehabilitation island. <laughs> right. He drank the Kool-Aid, he joined the the fist cult, did whatever. And and he had been uncomfortable with it the whole time. This guy has more on we than anyone in comics right now. Oh, for sure. He resigns as a cop. And my favorite part about that first scene is that the other guy, his, who maybe it's his, his captain or whatever, is just like... Deputy Commissioner Marcus Banks? Yeah. Well, he's like, uh, well, hang on. We can do something. You at least keep your pension. He's like, no. And I was like, I was like, no, you should keep your pension. I was like, buddy, keep that pension. And if you put in First of all, your 18 years... That New York City police pension is 
Bulletproof. Yeah. You get that pension. You are not going to lose it. And you can do all the things you work need Work a desk. To. But I get it. It's it's about his principles and how he's he needs to be doing the right thing and he's not. And so that's why he joined Internal Affairs. Interesting. It's all great. You're like, all right, well, so he's real messed up. He goes home and you hit <laughs> sulky Matt Murdock, <laughs> who's been lying on the bed for at least a week. And he kicks him out. And I was like, all right, make him do the thing. You know, he's he's got his purpose. He's 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 still fucked up because I don't I think this is at the beginning of Chip Zdarsky's first chunk that he killed a guy. That was his first arc. Yeah, he accidentally right. killed a guy. And that's how he met this cop. Right. He was investigated in. I mean, this has right. been one long story since Chip started however many years ago, however many volumes ago. And so we're, we're doing the walk back through the neighborhood and remember everything from the run, including that ill-fated relationship with that mafia. Woman. Yeah, right. I was like, oh, yeah. A bookstore crime lady. Libra's books. He goes to the Stromwinds? Stromwinds. There you yeah. go. And falls on the ground and says, I give up. I'm yours if you let the people. And I was like, no. Well, Lecter got arrested. And right. he said, if you pull those strings and get Lecter out and everybody who was arrested from the island, no, then I will become just your. says Electra. Right. At the beginning, it's Electra. I'll become your, basically your puppet. And then it turns. Did he get his eye stabbed out at some point? Did I forget that? He does it here. In the beginning, one of his eyes is bright red, like it had been before that. Like, he, he's got a red eye. I don't know. Like C-3PO, who has a red arm. And you're probably wondering how it happened. Well, well, I got a comic for you. James Robinson and Tony Harris, no. Wow, that was a... I think, I think, I think Ron made that the pick of the week. That's how long ago that was. That was a long time ago. You know, and then the, the big turn is, you know, he cuts his own eye out, which shocks them. Because they think we've got him, which I was like, how stupid are you people? And then he, I guess he cuts the man's eye out also, and then puts his own weird red fake eyeball There's a lot of eye there. cutting. Yeah, look, one of the eyeballs is red. I don't know why that why it is. I don't know what's going on there. The point being that all that stuff is weird or whatever, but I will say for the first time in quite a while, I was surprised about what happened in a superhero comic book. Because I thought he can't kill these guys. And I was like, I didn't think that he would maim somebody's eyes. I thought for a guy who's so worn out about about accidentally killing somebody at some point, you know, right? He's done worse, you know. He's like it, theoretically, there would have been all things that were collateral damage for him, but he cut that dude's eyes out. And listen, he deserved it. He cut it out and then stuffed another eye in there. I mean, this is that he didn't beyond, even like you know boil it. Accidentally <laughs> killing a dude by by hitting him too hard. This was like I'm going to cut your eye out and take my eye that I already cut out and stick it into your eye socket. Which is way worse. <laughs> it also way makes worse. his sacrifice much because they don't know that he's fucking blind. It's like it doesn't even That's matter true. that I do it. <laughs> I just got to the end and I was like, okay, we need a, we need a. I know. We need but a tone shift. I'm saying it's, this it's has been a going lot. out. Light that boat on fire. Do it. <laughs> I do love the idea. Like we've, I've complained about this. I'm sure we have. Is that like you make some change and then they're stuck with it for a really long time? But I really do like, and this happens in Daredevil a lot absolutely screwing the next guy oh sure bendis in his run with daredevil in prison yeah yeah okay yeah it was it was bendis put him in prison and ended his run <laughs> good, luck, and Brubaker. good luck good <laughs> luck <laughs> that's great it's, yeah. it's one of my it's a great move i like this book and I, whenever i see it i'm like mm-hmm. oh cool daredevil and you know this is rafael de la torre on art he fits in very well with the overall look and feel of this book's had with yeah. marco Cicchetto before but it's just a lot. There's just only so much of ultra dour Matt mm-hmm. Murdock I can take before I need a reset. Well, I mean, that's... I love Matt Murdock as a character. But that's it's just what like, he oh is. God, like his yes. famous story, his his you know seminal stories are he's on the edge of killing himself and asking God why. 
that's him. That's what it is. Yeah, but that's you can't do that like indefinitely and ongoing. I mean, you got to mix it up. It's been going on since at least eighty two. <laughs> no, but not all the time. I mean, yeah. there's pl- plenty of fun Daredevil stories in there. Those are the ones you think about. Amazing Spider Man number nine one nine. Speaking about being near the end of a thing. Or issue twenty five. Yeah. What do you think? It's an oversized issue. I've really enjoyed Zeb Wells's run on this book. I liked the mystery of the time jump and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. This particular arc has been bad. They're basically dimension Zing uh-huh. Mary Jane here, which was the Rick Remender Captain America story where they sent him to another dimension and he lived a long time. Yeah. You yeah. know, time doesn't matter. And when does this book take place? Yada, yada, yada. But now Mary Jane's four years older than Peter Parker is. And at least we know that those aren't her biological kids. So that becomes much easier to get rid of later. That was a good explanation for the weird things that have been going on. I completely mm-hmm. and 1000% do not understand the bad guy. I don't know what his deal is. He was a previous bad guy from another arc of Spider-Man's in the past. I don't remember that story. I don't care about him at all. I think his but the whole thing with him is kind of dumb. You know, but in here. terms of character drama, kill your babies, whatever, that's pretty rough. Like, he went back, and they've been playing this out for a while, and the first issue, everybody hated him, and then she had the kid, and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And they made us wait for it, and it's a good explanation. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I mean, I don't know if Zeb Wells is going to keep going after, what's the next one, uh, 920, or whenever this arc ends, but he's screwing yeah. somebody over. You know, what, what's interesting is, so I finished that whole thing, and, and, you know, she sends Peter back against his wishes, because he's never going to leave her. Yeah, they're both stuck in a dimension. Only one of them can escape. He's going to send her back, but she, you know, presses the button before he does send him back. So now she's stuck in this other dimension. She meets this guy. They rescue these two kids. They create a little family unit. They're living together for four years. Mary Jane and this guy fall in love. By the way, it's Peter, Paul, and Mary is the group, the three of them. He meets Paul. They fall in love. She's got a whole Laura Croft thing going on in this other dimension. She got buff. It was like one. I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's the apocalypse. Well, this is Kara Andrews drawing. Kara right. Andrews drew that excellent, amazing fantasy book last year yeah. or the year before, whenever that happened. And he does it in a lot of different styles. I didn't love the style he chose for this, but I, but it was fun. Yeah. It felt very kind of 90s-esque. So all that happens and it's uncomfortable because then he comes back and she has to tell him like, no, a lot of time has passed and I'm not going to be with you again. And again, I think that is, that's fine. That's a great dramatic beat. They'll work well, it, it is out because for him, it's only been right. an instant for her. It's been four years. So he's like, give me a kiss. She's like, nope, I have a boyfriend. Oh, man. And we've got surrogate kids. And he's like, what? That's a long distance college story that has <laughs> happened to many of us. There are aspects of this I like. What I didn't like, I think, is I don't care about the villain of the whole plot no. of that story. But whatever. The nice thing, though, is that after you finish that, which is a bummer, you come over here and you go, all right, he's able to date Felicia now. Well, hold on. Before we get to that backup, I did want to say I did like the last bit where he had stolen tech from the Fantastic Four. They confront him and they have a conflict and then Captain America shows up because they had had a conflict. And he's like, Peter's clearly in a lot of pain. We're going to let him deal with this instead of having the cliche where we all hate each other. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's hurting. You can see it. Let's just let him deal with that. I thought that was good. Yeah. Now, the backup I thought was terrific. It ends super bummer. And right. And so you go into this, yeah. you're like, oh, he, he does still have a hot girlfriend. He's got that going for him. <laughs> you know, like they have never been able to have it, but they're close. And, and by the way, the Black Cat Mary Jane stuff, which Jed McKay is doing, is this the same Mary Jane? Is that yeah, I mean, the yeah, Mary Jane know. who's four years later who's living with this other person who has <laughs> the kids? <laughs> when is now now? I'm going to assume that it is, though, because that makes it make more sense. Yeah, because she's okay with Black Cat and him dating, and that's the whole point of that right. story. This is a Rainbow Rowell written backup, by the way. She's awesome. And Alvaro Lopez. And it's Peter Parker <laughs> and Felicia Hardy going to a wedding. 
in Omaha, Nebraska. And of course, some tomfoolery happens that causes Peter to have to suit up and stop crime, but he's got to do it in Omaha. So there was one funny bit where he's swinging along and all of a sudden he's just out of space. Yeah. And he's just sort of hanging there. Wait, he's so like, we were well, on the highway? Shit. What happened? Where had we? Yeah. We just left the city. Yeah, that it was, was really very good. funny. What was funny? The only, the only this is, I don't know if it's a complaint, but I thought it was funny, is the first page has them in the airport. And I was like, who is that squat old lady that Peter Parker is with? I thought it was Aunt May. Yeah, I did too. And I was like, Aunt May's looking kind of hot. But then I was like, oh no, Black Cat's looking kind of haggard. But it's just because like her proportions are off. She's, she looks like a normal person. Like she's a little, say, yeah. squat relatively speaking yeah. like it's just rounded it doesn't look like her in my mind it's totally yeah. fine it's not bad art it just took me a second you try flying on the plane these days you'll go from I hot to squat in a moment i thought it was fun i thought it was a nice little cute backup that yes. played mostly with you know peter being a fish out of water having to foil the crime while running through cornfields and traveling on highways it reminded me of that story from the 80s where he had to go out into like the suburbs <laughs> I remember he had to like end up like on the train, like on top of the Long Island Railroad to get home. Like I just recalled that story in my head. He was in Mattapan. <laughs> so, you know, Spider-Man, it is what it is. There's some, some things that are here I don't like. There are things I do like. But overall, I've been enjoying it. It's a good time. Yeah. Phantom Road, number yeah. three. Jeff Lemire, Gabriel Hernandez, Walter. Yeah. The reason I, I brought it up is that I remember I get the first issue and I was like, all right. There wasn't a lot there. It was very first acty. And I'd com- kind of completely, not completely, but I'd forgotten about it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. This third issue kind of gets away from those people. The one it that, goes back to the real world, as right? It goes to back to the real world. Right? So whatever, whatever the Phantom Truck drive. They in the other one, I think that they were given a task that they have to do in this semi truck, and it's ter- whatever. But then this this issue is like a police procedural where yep. we meet this woman, Special Agent Weaver, and there's the two y- local cops. And the head guy, the, sh- the sheriff, whatever he is, like, it looks like yeah, a sheriff. sheriff. You know, he's yep. dismissive and he doesn't want to do the work and they take over and whatever. But the sort of deputy guy starts working on it. He shows up with her and he's done good police work. And I liked that. I was like, yeah. yeah he was good. He was a good character. I liked him a lot. You know, she calls. She's talking to some, I don't know, somebody at the FBI headquarters. And there's an odd sort of conversation where he's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing the thing. And she does the police work. And then we find out that she has somehow been involved with this other world at some point when she was a kid there's a bit here where she is back in her hotel room and she's got no pants on and she's getting in the shower i don't know that it played like a sexy thing but it was interesting to see this character who was very buttoned down and stiff like on her own thinking about stuff it it gave her like that vulnerability and i just thought it was drawn really well and it was kind of surprising Mm -hmm. i was like oh it's the same person and she gets in the shower and she's nude again it's not like a sexy thing it's just a it's a thing that would happen. And and it was, I thought it was an interesting choice to do it that way. And she's yep. having the flashback and she remembers it. And I just thought you got a, a lot of character out using a combination of words and pictures in a short amount of time that added a dimension to this book that hooked me in a lot more than what has come before. The mystery of this other world that is going on isn't all that interesting to me. Like what the people do with it, the people around it is something interesting. And I thought that they introduced a compelling character here. Oh, for sure. I think two characters. I think the deputy yes. is a good character, yes, too. Yes, I yes. think I read the first two. We talked about the first one, I think, at least. And as I said, we talked about the first issue. Like, I was mostly reading it for Gabriel Hernandez Walta, but I obviously like Jeff Lemire a lot. But with this issue, I was like, oh, okay, now mm-hmm. I'm interested. It really was a step up, and I was very pleased about it. I was like, oh, this and there's is- all kinds of mysteries out here in the real world. I mean, it ends with her getting abducted by somebody in a ski mask. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, who is this person? What is her connection to the other, this other world? We'll just call it. There's a lot going on here. And this was the primary driver. I'd probably be way more interested mm-hmm. than the two random people got sucked into this other dimension. Don't know what they're doing. It's a testament, of course, to Jeff Lemire, who's, you know, he's a veteran by now. And he tells all sorts of different types of stories. So it's not like I necessarily like everything, but every once in a while he'll do one, you know, that really jibes with what I like. And you can sort of see he doesn't do too much ever. And he, he, mm-hmm. he almost does too little at times, but it turns out to be the right choice after a while. I just like when I can read some of his stuff that I connect with a lot because I like that work a lot. Yeah, I was happy about this issue. Good. I was happy. That's awesome. Yeah. We're now going to enter the unofficial Jeff Johns corner and talk about oh. two Jeff Johns books this week. First, Stargirl, The Lost Children, number six, the final issue of this really fun miniseries that takes threads from Jeff Johns' run on Justice Society many years ago, takes threads from his Stargirl television show, which I liked a lot, but I just don't like it when it comes into the comics, but takes threads from that and takes threads from what he's doing currently with Justice Society over in his own little bespoke corner of the DC universe and weaves them all together in this tale that brings back like 45 golden age sidekicks into the current DC universe. It was really fun. The Todd Nwok art really felt vintage in a great way you know he was someone who was big in the late 90s early 2000s and it was fun to have you know modern characters in- interacting with these golden age throwbacks like quiz kid or johnny rocket things like you know that are kind of silly in that way but are also kind of fun it brought back the hour man character the robot from jeff johns's justice society run there's a nice little flashback to that run itself and in the end all these characters are back including jay garrick's daughter who he had been mind wiped to forget so now she's back and we had an announcement this past week, I think, that they're doing a Jay Garrick book and she's going to be in it. So it'll be cool. Whatever this weird island he's on, he's having fun telling these stories that involve most of the Justice Society. And I'm happy about it because I love those characters. Junkyard Joe, number six. This is the last of the Junkyard Joe miniseries that's been going on, which you and I have really enjoyed a great deal. Yep. I didn't love the ending. I feel like it went fast. And I, I, don't, I was trying to figure out why I find so many of these miniseries unsatisfying sometimes i think it's because of the lowered page count and in some cases the only five issues i mean this was six issues so it doesn't have that excuse but i feel like a lot of these miniseries take a slow burn approach for most of it and then they have to oh my god we gotta end this quickly and this felt like it ended very quickly yes it did and it was like happy ending like what did we earn that did we earn that happy ending i don't think we did now these are all components of a larger world that he's building this obviously does not take place. It takes place in some world related to what we saw in the Radioactive Man, whatever that's called, world with the, the casinos and the Geiger. weirdos. Yeah. And at the end, Geiger makes an appearance, but it's not at the same time because... No, he comes through a portal and... Yeah, Junkyard and, Joe's clearly yeah. in our timeline. They're, so they're, you know, they're pulling it all together, but I don't know. I, I think I wanted a better wrap up to this rather than just like the ramp to whatever the next thing is. The whole thing is taking a long time. Here's what I did like. Hmm? Junkyard Joe's casual wear. Oh, yeah. They got that robot in a Aloha shirt. He's grilling burgers. He's out of uniform. It's weekend, Junkyard Joe. I like that character a lot. He's going to have some grass to mow. He's got to clean out the gutters. Mm -hmm. He's fully in that suburban dad mold. And he's satisfied by it. You know what I mean? Like, he's not completely like, oh, I got to take care of this. He's like, I'm taking care of it. I'm doing the right thing. For whatever reason is the design of that character is fantastic. He's a robot, and I don't know what it is, but he kind of looks kind. He kind of looks supportive. Like, it, there's whatever sort of a design magic that they do. 
is really good. But it, it is such a leap from like these killers who I think are Hellboy characters are trying to trap him down and they're <laughs> in the middle of town and they're surrounded and the whole town is like, we'll stop you. And then you cut to it's the summer and everybody's happy, which is nice, yeah. but it did not feel earned. The structure was a little off, which is surprising for someone of Jeff Johns's caliber yeah. and experience, but it just felt like it ended really abruptly. Mm-hmm. But I liked yep. it. I mean, I thought the characters were good. I thought the family's characters were interesting. I thought obviously the Gary Frank art was terrific. He did a lot of action in this issue. Yeah. I'd love to stay in this world. I don't need to go back into this whole yeah. shared universe that he's trying to create with these characters. But, you know, I enjoyed Geiger. Yeah. And I enjoyed Junkyard Joe. So who's to say I won't enjoy more of this? I just really liked this little thing he built up and I would have been happy to stay in There's it. There's another one in the middle that was like, I thought. Was or maybe it was just I think a it was special. a couple of one shots. Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. But he's got several books ready to come out, so who knows yeah. what's hey, going on. Hey, as long on. as they're coming out, is Gary Frank going to draw them all? That's no. That's no, no. Good, because we'd never get there. <laughs> now, Captain Marvel number 183 is not a nine, yeah. but as they have titled, is 49. So well, it's kind the, of a nine, because it's 49 in the other right. numbering, so it's also kind of a nine. And this is the second to last issue of Kelly Thompson's pretty long, prodigious run. 50 issues is nothing to sneeze at these days. No, certainly not. It's like I enjoy it, but I don't know that it's sticking with me all that much. This has been the least fun of the storylines. This one also has been crossing over with the X-Men. This one more directly. So here she's been fighting the brood alongside a team of X-Men. And then in the X-Men book, they've been also fighting the brood. And they keep referencing or crossing over with with things that happen here. So this has been like a full-on crossover without it actually being a crossover with the Mm -hmm. X-Men comic. I like all the characters hanging out together. I think that that's kind of cool. I don't actually read these characters in many things and it's it's kind of fun but i don't know that it was all that satisfying it also came down to being a throwback about her and rogue you know rogue Mm -hmm. got her powers by stealing them from her originally you know back in um avengers annual see i didn't know that that's how rogue got all of her strength and flying ability she Mm -hmm. was just somebody who had the ability to steal you know life force from people but then she touched captain marvel and something happened and she got the powers permanently and so they're constantly linked in that way. Mm-hmm. This was her sacrificing herself, not to die, but for pain, to save Captain Marvel because she still feels guilty. And I like that bit. I just, you know, it's been a lot of fighting the brood for the last like, four or five issues. So it's been like, okay, it's been somewhat repetitive. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like it. I just didn't love this arc like I've loved other arcs. Yeah, kind of didn't deliver on the, on the relationships of the people that we had been hanging out with the most, I guess, which was, you know... Spider-Woman was sort of relegated to one of the crew. Binary had had her own. Way too much gambit. At least in this, like other than the ridiculous like uh, accent they have to write him with, which is comedic. Like he was, you know, he was a nice guy. He was capable. Like it wasn't, yeah, I, I, wa- I wanted to like him. It wasn't bad. I, no, not bad. I just. I wish this wasn't the last arc. I feel like it needs a well, different Well, I mean, it isn't, it isn't. The wrap-up issue is going to be different. I mean, this is, the story's over now. So the, the final issue will right. be probably her back with her regular characters. Yeah, but that's a home. wrap-up issue, not a wrap-up arc. And I think yeah. that you want to go I get out on that it. thing. Hey. I agree with you. It's been a little strange choice to end it this way. But I mean, if I was recommending this book, I wouldn't start with this arc. There's, there's plenty of other arcs I would have started with saying to mm-hmm. check out before this one. Yep. Not that it was bad, but it just wasn't as, no. as good. Hey, those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the patrons, every single one of those beautiful sons of bitches gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, in a squeaker, uh, squeaker, the winner was Green Lantern number one from Dawn of DC's new line of books. 
Written by Jeremy Adams with art by Zermenico, Romulo Foriardo Jr. on colors, and Dave Sharp on letters. And there's a backup story we'll get to in a minute. We've been talking a lot since someone asked us in an email, and we really dug into it. DC has been publishing fewer and fewer books, and we really sat back and thought about it. There was a ton of characters that weren't being published, and this was one of them. Like There was no Green Lantern book for a long time, which is strange. It is. But here we are. So, Well, th- that Grant Morrison one was something. Yeah, but that was a while ago. Yeah, and then there was a Green Lantern series, but Hal wasn't in it. I don't know where he was. It got canceled. No, but it got canceled. Yeah. That was like that was. It's, right. it's, it's been a while since there's been a Green Lantern comic at all from yep. starring anybody. And most of the mid tier is gone. Like Green Arrow's back with Dawn of DC, but that's only a mini series. Like characters like that. There's no Hawkman book. There's no Aquaman ongoing. Like it's just been strange at DC. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was excited because I love Green Lantern, love Hal Jordan, so he's back and he's back on Earth. And I was sort of surprised at how much this felt like a tonic because i don't know the last time hal's just been like i'm green lantern and i'm on earth you know he was back for a little bit at the beginning of the new 52 in 2011 but they very quickly sent him off to space he's basically been like off on his own space adventures for like a decade and so just to have him back on earth was really great for me i really like this it just it felt like it was lacking something to make it really great like pick of the week worthy but I really liked this. This is from Jeremy Adams, who was previously the Flash writer, and now has moved over to Green Lantern. I enjoyed it, but it felt excessively throwbacky in a way that I, I don't know. It was it just felt like it was from out of nowhere. I don't know that that's a problem, but it just I, it, it like he's in the flight jacket. Mm-hmm. He's acting exactly like you know he did. I don't know. We haven't seen him like this in a comic in fifteen years. Every once in a while, he'll come back for something like that. And it, it, I was like, so is he, is he old now? Like, is he like a middle-aged, like, is, is he like, uh, like Pete Maverick? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Of. Like he, he kind of was. So they like aged him up in a way and, you know, he goes to fly with the guys and they're like, oh, hey, old timer. And I was like, is it's the problem with time in comics. It's the problem with trying to age characters. It never ends up making sense. You just got to keep them in, in their stasis bubbles. Right. I get what they're doing here. Like he's the guy that's come back from a long time in space. He joins Ferris Air again as a test pilot. Everybody he's testing with is a young kid. They're not even using planes. They're using drones. That's the thing that I'm getting tired of is the, it's the Captain America joke. And Captain America can get away with it. You pulled him out of the ice. He'd been there since World War mm-hmm. II. It's funny. Like, mm-hmm. don't do that with Hal Jordan. Like, he doesn't need to be a fish out of water on Earth. I mean, I guess he's been gone for a while or whatever, but it ages him and it puts him out of step. And like, I want him to be cool. And yep. I feel like there's a line... Because you don't like the like the thing I, I was rubbed. I enjoyed this, by the way. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not complaining. But there's a bit where where they're talking about the drones and the, no one flies anymore. And then it was like oh, he just sounds like an old person now. I don't want that to be the character. What it's about. Like, that's the thing. That I, 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 I agree with you. I didn't have that thought, but I agree. I think it was in the back of my mind while reading it. It's fine to have him come back from space and Carol's got a boyfriend and mm-hmm. like that's all normal stuff, sure. right? But have him come back and all the technology is different. Like that's just like okay. What is the story you're telling here then? Right. It's like coming back in a members only jacket and getting in a or, or showing up in his varsity jacket. Right. Or like school. and driving like, up in a Trans Am being like, I'm cool. Yeah. Like it like it's Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused. Like George Costanza in Seinfeld. Exactly. When he gets the muscle car and yeah, to be fair, the ladies loved it. That's but that was the joke, is that she was totally into it, which wouldn't happen. Whereas this Carol is correct and be like, what? where have you been, dude? You know? And that's the part that stuck with me as I was reading as I kept thinking about that stuff. Is he sober? I don't know. Are you conflating or is that? When he's drinking on the Oh, he says, yeah. On he, the trailer. He, does, he says he's he drinking says a soda. soda. 
Yes, and I noticed yeah, and I that. Like, what? And I, and I thought that was odd. And then also, <laughs> it also stuck to me that he like flung the bottle out to sea. And I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> we haven't done that in a You're long littering. time." <laughs> We're all over the place. Oh, I for, you know what? I think I totally forgot that he was an alcoholic in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Emerald Dawn thing and everything. You could leave that. Behind. I forgot about that. It's been so long. Uh huh. So long. I did like the he's driving around in the old pickup truck, and he doesn't have his powers apparently. And and some guy ends up. Is it Manhunter armor? Yeah, Manhunter yeah, man armor. armor yeah. And and like he just goes in, you know, because he has mm-hmm. that. They that was the part I like because they hit on the no fear thing, you know, or the right. willpower thing. Yep. Like he said it, he's like, you're not going to find someone with more willpower than me. And I was like, well, you threw the bottle into the ocean. Like, does he have, <laughs> does he have like a lot of unopened cookie packages in his cabinets or, you know, like I only have one anyway, but, but I'm joking, but I liked that he just went in there and I'm going to say it's almost a little bit of a letdown that he didn't get a chance to beat the villain without the power before getting it back. Because I thought that's what they were going to show us. No, this guy is indomitable. He does not read the ring for this. But he didn't get a chance to do that. I didn't think he never had the ring. I just think he didn't use it. Okay, well, that's a question to be answered. Maybe we find out more in the next issue. But I thought that, because this was a one month earlier, which means that when he went to Carol's, he had the ring again. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I got the sense like he got back and it wasn't, is this the one where they cut to space? That's in the second story, but I think it's... That's the second story. I think it's contemporary to it, though. Is that some shit's going down? The Guardians are gone again. Oh, it's taken over by the United Planets, United Federation of Planets, whatever it is. That's why he bails, goes back to Earth. So who, who knows what the situation is with the rings and everything? Mm-hmm. But I thought it was overall fun. I really liked the Hermonico, Zermonico art yeah. a lot. I thought it was really appropriate. It had a nice, clean style. I liked his howl. I liked it. Looks like he's in the classic Silver Age costume with the no green shoulder mm-hmm. pads, which is cool. I liked in the bar, there was like a painting of him in the back. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Sinestro's drinking at the bar, apparently. <laughs> Sinestro can hold his liquor. Oh, sure. I mean, Earth stuff doesn't even touch him. He's, it, it's almost like just a habit. I'm happy to get Hal back yes. in interacting with the world and not be off on his own bubble. Uh, you know, we had so many years of the Sinestro Core War and then variations of it, which, by the way, Sinestro Core War was awesome. But then we had like diminishing returns variations on that story for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy to tell a new and interesting and you know, hopefully, fun different Green Lantern story. I don't know if this is a miniseries. They don't tell you usually till the second issue anymore. But the DC universe is lesser when the other characters, other than Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, don't have books. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy to be reading other characters. Let's talk about the backup. There is a problem here. What's the problem? They're calling this guy Guy Gardner. Well, it's a different a different dimension. So this the backup story. Is it a different dimension. Yeah, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, great writer, which was a fun surprise. Great art. An art by Montos, Montos, who is terrific. Hermanico y Montos. John is now back for the same reason Hal is, so he's helping his mom build a shack. I loved seeing John show up and not be weighed down upon and just like, I was like, okay, let this character, let's see who this character actually is that isn't completely defined by his guilt. Right. And he's helping his mom build a shack. That's great. Page 32 in your digital reader says another universe, another time. Uh, You're right. You're right. We see Guy Gardner who's old and has gray hair and a beard who is... Trying to stay alive. Because Guy Gardner of the whatever the whatever we call the normal universe, he never has that haircut. He never the has he never no. has that beard. Ever. Never. He's a man 
we know a man like this who will never change his haircut. <laughs> Ever. He'll go down swinging with that haircut. He is 100% convinced in his soul that that is the haircut. And everybody else is wrong. Well, to be fair, he's had, he's had two different. I mean, he had the severe bowl cut in the, right. in the 80s. And then he switched up to just sort of like a buzz cut. Yeah. Uh, but he's had that for a while. Well, the, but I think you're, the, you're right. He doesn't have the samurai long hair right. look. The bowl is, cut, they just, they just, for purposes of the market, they just updated what would have been the equivalent haircut for the era that he was living in. Right, because when he first appeared, he didn't have the bowl cut right. in, 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 as a character. And they just picked, what's the most dickish haircut we could pick? And that was when they went with. Mm-hmm. And they were right. Yeah. And I, my best friend in, in growing up had that haircut for a while, so I'm not being <laughs> an asshole, but it was a dickish haircut. Sure. Uh, he could have that hair. He had great, he still has great hair. You know, I don't I don't know what to make of this backup. Like you said, you know, it starts off with a short, sweet bit of John Stewart returning to home, seeing his mom, and then we cut to another dimension, another time where guy and this new you know basically pro b green lantern are trying to survive an attack and we just don't know what's going on back here mm-hmm. but you know we got a big meaty comic here i enjoyed it i really did yeah i, mean, I was really thinking when, when the week started oh green lantern's probably gonna be the pick you know you just look mm-hmm. at your bullets you think well you know what am i really excited for what's got a good chance here but i read it and i was like that was good it was like a solid and i'll jump on the segment this is like a solid four star comic for me and so it wasn't quite a five or you know even in the, in the, at the end of the day, I didn't really consider it in the pick of the week running. It just it was like mm. I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't like great. I'm going to go with three point seven five. That's how I feel about it. All right, and I'm sticking with it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Patreon.com/slash ifanboy. Thanks for voting, patrons. You can vote. You can be a patron for as little as one dollar a month. That'll give you voting privileges, and it's great. You help support the show. Those are our primary supporters at Patreon.com/slash ifanboy. They help directly support the show. They unlock great shows for everyone to enjoy. They become part of a great community. And we have actually movement on our, not revamped stretch goals, but we're adding some new things to our Patreon rewards. And it just took for a long time for design stuff to happen. And we're actually getting movement on that. So that should hopefully be sorted out pretty soon. And actually, do we, we talked about a t-shirt this week, didn't we? Yeah. We yeah. need to get on that too. It was one I, I said and thought of a long time ago. And then we're having movement now on those things. So check that out. And speaking of t-shirts, I found is where... You'll be able to get that new t-shirt eventually. And I think I thought of another variation on that one. We should talk about that after the show. Also, I should I should mention that uh, after my recent bout of diverticulitis, I'm also experiencing movement again. So it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no one needed to know that. I found out so is sorry. where you can buy the t-shirts. We've got 12 designs. Hopefully by the end of the summer, we'll have 13 or maybe even 14 designs you'll be able to choose from. And that's great. I found slash support. It's our digital PayPal tip jar. Fama.com slash Amazon is where you can find the links to our books, blowed books, as well as a general shopping link. And bookshop.org is who we've partnered with to support local bookstores. You can find those links on the website. So support local bookshops, support us in the various ways. And that's how the show keeps going. That's how you keep getting, I don't know, six to eight shows a month. It's a lot of shows. It's a lot of of shows. The mail never stops. The mail doesn't stop, and neither do the patron powers, which is what we give out to people who are supporters of us at the $5 or higher level at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Josh. Marcus Leonard, with two first names, that's not his power, must answer all questions honestly. Oh. So his power is he can't lie, but when he... So it's almost like a curse. Well, it depends. When a question is directed at him... That was the Jim Carrey movie. He had to tell the truth always, but Marcus yeah. only has to do it when he is addressed directly with the question. You see? I see. 
if someone walked in the room and was like, hey, who spilled this on my couch? He doesn't have to answer Steve. that because they didn't, they didn't directly oh, say Marcus. Oh, right. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You're right. Okay, that works. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's a nice wrinkle, so it's not, it's not everything. Marcus, did you spill this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I was thinking of it more in terms of, let's say, personal relationships. Sure. When somebody asks a question, should I do this? No. Not, not, you know, if you think it's right for you or whatever, does this look good? No. No, that doesn't. It doesn't look good. Or you're in the meeting. <laughs> like, well, why didn't this get done? Uh, she left early and didn't complete her work. Uh-oh. <laughs> like there's lots of problems that could happen. But there is power in it. You are the source of truth. Marcus is the unwilling and unwitting source of truth. Mm-hmm. It's true. There you go. <laughs> so thanks for being a patron, Marcus. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Any patron of the $5 higher level gets a superpower live on the show. We thank you very much. Josh, we have I think, time for one email. Which one do you want to do? Mm, I hadn't read them ahead of time, so. That's fine. I'm putting you on the spot. One or two. One or two. A or B. Uh, camera A, camera B. Camera A, camera B. Uh, Luke. Luke S. Josh has mentioned frequently that the name iFanboy rankles him because it's such a played out pun. It's tied to Apple, what have you. Is there any reason you don't just make it I, comma, fanboy, a la Asimov's I, robot? It's still a played out pun, but it feels possibly a bit more classic. And so many old Silver Age Marvel comics had issue titles that use the same conceit. This change wouldn't affect the website's URL or the social tags. It's punctuation and spacing don't play into those things. Worst case scenario, you enlist the fans to redo your artwork and you're practically good to go. I've been thinking about this for a while now, but it resurfaced while listening to Josh's great talks with Ryan North. I'm sure not the first person to suggest this, but thought I'd write in just in case in the off chance I am. All right. Good news, Luke. Yeah. It is. It is. It's already there. Yeah. It's built in. Yeah, that was definitely a thought at the beginning because we thought we were fancy. We were like, oh, Claudius, you know, whatever. Not to go into the whole history again, mm-hmm. but we, we wanted to be fanboy.com. Yeah. But fanboy.com was taken. Why we wanted to go with fanboy is a whole other story. Just for the purposes of this, originally the idea was to be fanboy.com. That was taken. So we said, okay, what do we do here? We have the email still. I mean, yeah. I think Ron archived them all. Where it was like, you know, in the year 2000, in the first tech bubble there was a lot of urls and companies called e like e things like e trade or e harmony mm-hmm. and so we thought well, what about e fanboy and then we thought what about i fanboy and then i remember specifically there's an email that says i fanboy is probably better because it plays into the tech nomenclature but also it's like i comma fanboy like that's literally a line in an email we wrote yeah. back in 2000 so it's already built into the system so the problem here is the fanboy it's the root problem yeah the root problem is the fanboy which at the time back then made a lot of sense a we pretty much all considered ourselves boys and b still do and then b it was like a term that you would use to make fun of somebody like us and we thought oh it's funny we'll do it like that well we were reclaiming it remember because we took that goddamn course in college senior year about reclaiming subculture slurs and fanboy was a sort of a slur against people who like comics so we thought we would reclaim it because we were 22 right and we just graduated from college, and that's the kind of stuff you think when you're 22. And so yeah. that's where we're at. So the first time that that ever occurred to me that that wasn't a great idea was from one of our <laughs> favorite writers, Greg Rucka, who kind of looked at it and went, oh. He said, if and boy. He did. And we went, oh, shit. He did. And then, you know, as time goes on and people start to, like, I felt, it was a couple of things. The thing I don't like about it is I think it's relatively exclusive. It indicates that what we do here is for boys. I don't know. It's just too small. It segregates without meaning Absolutely. to. Yeah, it was never our intention, obviously, but it was just, at the time, we were just trying to reclaim a slur against comic readers and not really thinking it all the way through in right. terms of inclusivity. And it, and it, But then that, that by, by turn makes us look like we were like, we don't want any girls here. And that's not yeah, it and at also, all. I think it also brands us as a type of fan oh. that we definitely are not. Right, yeah. And so... 
Yeah. At a certain point, we just what can we do? This is it. This is what our name is. We can't do anything about right. it. But I can guarantee you, over the years, we have had people dismiss us or sure. not listen or not watch because of the name, which you know mm-hmm. it is what it is at this point. And now that we are perhaps not as well known as we used to be because of all sorts of reasons. I think it can be a, a liability on, like for a while, we were a known quantity, so it was never a problem. But as sort of new generations of creators have come in, we don't do our video show anymore, things like that. I, I think Yeah, when we were a full-blown operation doing a, a daily website with 10 articles a day and we were credentialed members of the comics media, it was different, it didn't matter. Really, we knew everybody who ran publicity for all the companies and things like that. Like It didn't matter. Like we were like, yeah, it's silly, but now there's a little The name didn't away. matter because they knew who we were. Right. And the work we did. Yeah. I will say, I don't remember why we didn't do it. We were going to rebrand everything. I think it was the acquisition, didn't Is that why we didn't rebrand? I don't remember. I know that we were going to start But I've got a thing. file on my computer that has the entire rebranding name, the art, mm-hmm. the mock-up. Like, I've got it. We were going to mm-hmm. rebrand. And then I think it was the acquisition by Graphically. We were like, oh, shit, we can't rebrand now. Or something to that effect. But yeah, And then someone ended up using it anyway. So it's right. not usable anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the magazine. We were going to do a magazine and a website and all kinds of stuff. Right. Ended up not happening. But we've been under that shadow for a long time. And it just is a long time. But I mean, like at the same time, like when when I bring it up, like I'm not complaining. I just feel like I need to acknowledge the fact that, yes, I get it. I know what's wrong with it. But here we are. Yeah. Now, the things I like about like, listen, I'm proud of what we've done and I'm proud of the name. I love the iconography. I love the font. I love the Fantastic Four illusion. And we've had creators be like, oh, Fantastic Four. And, you know, so it's like there's part of that old school fandom that I really like, but I, you know, going back, if I could go back in time, I'd tell my 22 year old self a lot of things, including <laughs> don't name it. I've had boy. And here's a list of companies to invest in. Do it right now. Yeah. Open up a IRA. <laughs> I think we should do this first email also because it sort of ties into what we just said. Go for Carl it. Carl C says, I know you guys don't cover sales, but I was listening to a YouTube channel discussion about how few DC comics are in the top 100. 58% of their titles don't rank. Does the editorial team installed under AT&T need a regime change under the tight-fisted David Zaslav? So it's hard to totally answer this not knowing, A, who these people are and what they said. But I don't think they know what they're talking about because they're, DC hasn't released any sales information since they left Diamond. No one knows what DC sales are. Hmm. That would be why they're not in the top 100. Are these guys involved in the industry do they know people do they know the business do they have an understanding of the fact that no one has any sales information it's all just estimates based on a formula that diamond puts out or do they know that dc hasn't released any sales data since 2020 are they just people reacting to things they read on the internet like i don't know who these people are i'm not saying they're anything i just i don't know them but we have a fairly good understanding of the industry and fairly plugged in at least we were at one point but no one knows dc sales they don't put them out Mm -hmm. i mean there's people who spend all their time just analyzing sales estimates by the way they've never been the real sales data and they don't have dc because dc stopped doing it so by the way also penguin random house distributors they also don't release sales data they're starting to distribute more and more books including marvel stuff so eventually all the sales data is going to go away yeah you know random house doesn't tell you how many books a certain book sells they just tell you it's a bestseller mm-hmm. no one ever talks about that in published and comics is the same they just had this formula that diamond put out as an index that people you know extrapolated sales estimates from and we know people from the companies who will tell you the sales numbers were wrong by a good margin because they're just estimates based on a formula. So I don't know what these guys are talking about. Again, they may be right, they may be wrong, but I just, if without knowing who they are, what they said, it's hard to react to that other than it's perplexing because, again, DC hasn't put out any information. Now, that doesn't mean that just you know looking at what DC is publishing, they're not, like we just talked about with Green Lantern, they're not putting out a lot of books. I think they put out two, 200 fewer books last year than they put out five years ago. Like total? Total. <sighs> I'm looking at a chart. They put out... 989 periodicals in 2017, and they put out 710 last year. 
So as part of a larger demanding corporate parent, I assume that, I mean, I'm sure they've always been responsible for revenue to a certain extent, but I get the feeling given sort of the cost cutting measures that have taken place. I want to call it Warner Brothers because I don't want to call it what it is. You know, they're responsible for things. And so you look at what you've got and you've got a bunch of Superman books, you've got a bunch of Batman books, and they're not making those unless those are the ones people are buying. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, it's important that people sometimes just think of DC and Marvel as just the publisher, but DC Entertainment is an entire company. Marvel Entertainment, at least it was before they got sucked into Disney a couple weeks ago, was an entire company. I used to work with DC Entertainment at my old job on that Batman app, and you know the publishing team made all the final decisions, but there was entire there's entire buildings in, on the Warner Brothers lot full of people working for DC Entertainment that have nothing to do with publishing. They have to do with consumer products and they have to do with brand management and all this other stuff. That's And they're making all the revenue there. And that's part of the same company. And the publishing division probably has its own P&L, but DC Entertainment as a whole is an entire organization with tons mm-hmm. and tons of VPs and <laughs> senior VPs. And you know, there's a whole company around DC publishing that people don't read comics don't often think about as existing, but it's true. Yep. I know from those meetings, and I think my NDAs are over, that you know there are seven characters that are most their most revenue generating characters at DC, and and you can imagine those are the characters that are getting books. It's Batman, Superman, Joker, Harley Quinn. I mean, those are four of the seven. I think. I think. Uh, so what Wonder I'm hearing Woman. is that this Green Lantern thing is Ryan Reynolds' fault. <laughs> it's just that there's a whole corporate thing they've got to service, and so it probably affects the books that come out. Mm-hmm. Sure, but there's been a Joker book for years. Why is that? Because he sells a lot of fucking t-shirts. <laughs> Starting with me in 1989. Yeah, exactly. I think I owned one Joker shirt. In I had a lot of Joker shirts, and I don't know sense. exactly why. Because I wasn't like you a huge... You should talk to your new therapist about that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I'm just going to bring something up. <laughs> I had a lot of Joker t-shirts when I was in junior high school. Yeah. So, does the editorial team need a rechange? I mean, look, I, I I think so, but nothing to do with sales. I just think it's it's gotten stale at DC. I suspect that anytime you do that, I think of Richard Dreyfus. That the I I I think you wouldn't know <laughs> the difference. Anyway, no, I suspect though that if you are a person working in it, DC Comics or whatever, you know exactly what kind of comics you want to do. And you know exactly right. what comics you can do. And you have to work in between there some way. You know, and and at this point, anybody who is, you know, sort of working in their quote unquote dream job as a comic book editor, they worked really hard to get there and had a bunch of luck and did a bunch of things right. They're doing their damnedest and they got to, you're trying to hold on to. It's very volatile at a place like that when you think about all the people who they've gotten rid of over the past 10 years or something like that. Like it's not so easy to fix because of that corporate structure, because you've got directives that are coming down from all sorts of places and you keep getting new management things keep changing and all things being equal we would love a a robust balanced line of comics from every publisher but Mm -hmm. i can see how someone would say these batman books are selling sell 10 more batman books now i don't think that's good for the long-term health of the but i can see how that conversation happens this is all about quarterly revenue that's all all about hitting quarters so i can see why they say things like that like harley quinn book joker book 10 batman books Long-term readers don't like it, but we're, you know, we're not generating a quarterly revenue for them. As a consumer, you know, I feel like I, I, the way that I look at it is that if a book comes through and it's really good or really interesting or really unexpected, like that's why I'm here. I'm waiting for those, waiting for those things to leak through. And then I feel lucky to have them. And the rest of it's the work that they have to do as a business, you know, trying to put units out. The ultimate question is, does a new team need to be installed? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think so, but there's a relatively new team anyway. The editor-in-chief is new, relatively. Are you sure? Wasn't that 10 years ago? 
No, no. She could just remember. To de- no, oh. she came in like. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think there's market forces at work. I think there's corporate forces at work. I think we're just living in a different world than we lived in 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Is their primary goal, if you had to like look at the you know case for the business, is their primary goal to sell the most comic books possible? Or is that supposed to align with the branding of those characters? We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think the publishing team probably, you know, their goal is to sell comic books because that's how they generate revenue. But overall, the DC Entertainment's goal is you know transmedia flywheel there you go i've seen those flywheels i've seen the one dc flywheels mm-hmm. so at least i did <laughs> but it's tough I mean, we're not living in paul levitz's world anymore where he was able to insulate dc from warner brothers and, and make their entire thing just about publishing great comics as long as they were profitable as a company then once he left the mothership sucked him into the tractor beam and everything changed you can point back to that moment that's the most mm-hmm. important moment in modern dc history is paul levitz retiring or whatever he did yeah. After that, everything went different, and it's a bummer. Yeah. DC still makes a profit, and like I said, when I was doing the Batman app at my job, they were the final arbiter and everything. The publishing team. Yeah, that's cool. It was the publishing brand team. Awesome. It wasn't like the global brand team; it was the publishing brand team who was like, "Nope, yes, no, yes, no." <laughs> it's tough. These companies we think of as small little publishers, but they're actually cogs and giant corporate wheels. They have been to a certain extent for a long time, but what that means changes a lot as we go global and the value of the properties with the movies and whatever right especially now that zasloff has said he's the new um ceo of warner brothers if, in case anyone's not constantly paying attention to this garbage that they look at dc as one of the most important parts of warner brothers so that puts them under a giant microscope yep which they, they weren't in for a long time basically like they were making fun comic books you know but now they're lando running cloud city you know started off <laughs> You know, <laughs> got supply problems of all kinds. Jim and... Lee is up there like, oh, I got, you, you got no idea, but I've just made a deal. And no, <laughs> who knows? It's tough, man. But we're not in that golden age anymore of independence from Marvel and DC and being able to do interesting and, and take risks because they are now. But it still happens. Still it still happens. It's just not, you know, Vertigo doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But Black Label does, and they put out really interesting books. Connor, did you know that you have to edit this show? I do. Okay. <laughs> Contact.ifanboy.com. Thanks for writing in, Carl and Luke. Those are good questions. Good questions. Also, you can write in for our Media Explode show if you write in it. Put Media Explode in the subject line. And let's talk about other shows speaking of Media Explode. Two weeks ago, we had Josh's interview with Marvel editor Jordan White. And I tried to ask him about that a little bit, but he said, no, it's fine. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I don't know that he was deflecting, but I did ask. <laughs> and suddenly the line went dead. Right behind this show in the feed, this past week, we had the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 review that Josh and our buddy Paul Montgomery did. I still haven't seen it yet because I was out of town for the weekend that came out. I don't know when I'm going to see it. I'm running out of days here. Are you excited to see it? Because you didn't no, like No, I don't them. like the Guardians of the okay, Galaxy so movies. so it's like a, I must do this, not I want to do this. I'm very excited for Fast X next week. That's why I'm like, I'm running out of time to see <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's that, which is basically a superhero movie anyway. I saw the trailer for Marvels and I was like, I'm into that because it's niche Sure. I like that Captain Marvel. And then next week, this coming week, we're going to have our Booksplode review of The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, a novel, which Josh and I already recorded, so it's done, so I know you'll get it. Look forward to that next week. That was a fun one. It's true. You can find our library over 1,300 shows. You adjusted the text. Nice work. 1,300 shows and counting over at ifanboy.com. When, uh, when, we should check we're not at 14. No, we're at 13. I looked at the Apple podcast number yesterday. Nice. It was 13 something. Over at ifanboy.com. Wherever podcasts are sold, you can follow us at ifanboycomics on Instagram. 
You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes the best of the week in panels. Today, I put something weird on there just because. You did. I liked it. Don't expect it all the time, but it happened. I was here. You can follow Connor and I on Instagram at CLS Kilpatrick and at J.A. Flanagan. And finally, uh, consider leaving a review or a star rating. Oh, I skipped a part, but I'll get back to it. Consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts or podcasts are sold. And also, subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can find all of our old video shows. We were once YouTubers before that was a thing. It didn't exist if we'd known. We were just some random dudes on YouTube as well at one point. Yep, yep. If we had only known. But you can you can find all those old shows. There's nearly 200 of them. And also, this show goes up there every week as well. So subscribe there. Consider doing that. People listen to the show there a lot. So thank you. It turned out to be successful on YouTube. You had to do the voice where you're talking about things like this all the time. And we hadn't done that. We never told anybody to like or subscribe either. Not which I think time. probably was our downfall because people don't know. They don't know to like and subscribe unless right. you tell them. Yeah, constantly. How would they know? How would they know? I don't know. Hey, I know you want to watch this video about how to fix this thing in your house. But first, here's 10 minutes on how you should like and subscribe to the show. Oh, my God. I'm never coming back to this. Just show me how to fix the light switch. <laughs> so the next time I need to fix something, I am going to search the general topic. I am not going to think, that guy who showed me how to do a light bulb, maybe he knows something about this sink. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and also, I'm not going to go, I like what you do with that light bulb. I'm going to watch four times a week for the other shit you do for fun. It's not right. going to happen. Here's how to change your Prius battery. I'm not doing that. Then I sign back on, and they've given me 500 light bulb options. It was like, dude, I finished the light bulb. How many broken light bulbs have you got in this house? I get <laughs> – sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. But my, my <laughs> supermarket gives coupons out, right? And every once in a while, oh, they think, hey, you still want baby stuff. And I was like, my kids are <laughs> 9 and 13. I bought baby <laughs> stuff once. You're correct. But it was a long – and I don't know how to tell it. I don't want baby stuff. Right. Please stop. Don't give me coupons for it. Give me coupons for old man stuff. <laughs> That's like the time of college. Might as well just keep going. And this, this is like the time of college where I got a call. Junior year of college, we got, you know, like a, a call from a telemarketer. I was going to say spam call for a second there. but And they went through their whole spiel about kids books. And then I couldn't get them. Like, I couldn't get in a word at edgewise. And they were like, so how many kids do you have in your household? And I was like, I'm 20. You were polite enough to listen all the way through, though, and not hang up on him. I was like, I, 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 I then I was kind of curious. and then You tried to treat the man with respect. What I literally said was, unless you know something I don't know, I've got zero kids here. I'm 20 years old. They were like, oh, uh, I was like, thanks. I was like, <laughs> and unless you also know something I don't know, I don't plan on entering your market for quite some time at the least. <laughs> hey, now, we went long, but this is like our own therapy session. Oh, yeah. So sometimes we go long for us, for you, for anyone, really. Hey, Josh, this was fun. It was super fun, obviously. We would have stopped earlier. You want to come back next week? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Actually, no, yeah, definitely next week. Sorry. I was, <laughs> I was like, I have plans right. on Saturday. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Bye. I am no-